I love my church. I love my church. I love my church. I love my church. I love that when you walk into this building, you can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love the worship. I love the fact that uh, the songs that I hear on the radio, I can walk into worship service and uh, get to continue the praise and worship there. When we worship, we're, like, we're alongside our friends, and I feel like it's very powerful. It's just this build of, of, of excitement and worship for a God who's worthy of praise, and I just love it. I love this church because it teaches you to read your Bible and to do what God says to do. The teachings of the Bible are as simple as you can have it. Pastor Shaw is quoting scripture and referring us to go back and look. No gimmicks, just straight up. We've actually been applying it to our lives, and over the six years that we've been married almost, there has been definite growth and change, and. We're, we're just grateful to God for that. I know we've grown closer together, together as husband and wife. I've definitely seen how God has grown me to um, love others more and to be aware of the needs of others. I love my church. I, I love, love my church. church. I love my 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 church. Well, good morning, Calvary Church. How many love your church today? Come on, give God a praise for your church. Hey, let's make a big welcome to all the folks online. Come on, all the folks online today. What about the folks over at Sugar Grove Campus? Come on, big hand for all the folks out at Calvary West, our campus there in Sugar Grove. It is so good to see you guys today. Thank you for coming out. Whether you're here with us or taking time online to watch us, wherever you are today, I'm pumped about today because I too, I love Calvary Church. We launched last week a quick vision statement, just briefly gave it to you, and then we're spending today and the next three weekends kind of breaking that down, unpacking that for you so you know what that means. Here's a simple mission for Calvary Church. Calvary Church exists to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference in life. We need to live our life intentionally, not accidentally. And so a mission and a purpose gives us the power to live out such a life because that's God's plan for your life. Today, we're going to unpack the first pillar of our four pillars. It's simply called knowing God. Now, that's one reason why I'm such a huge advocate for the school. Now, to be clear, I've never liked school when I was in school as a kid. I didn't like school at all. I went to school because the law said I had to go to school, and my parents made me go to school. Having said that, I recognize as an adult the power of school, in particular Christian education, because no better place to help someone come to know God than the life of a child. As a church, I am a firm believer that our best investment we ever make is in our kids. I believe that. And I believe with that investment idea, the best buck we spend as a church is in our Christian school, helping a young person, a five-year-old, a two-year-old, a six-year-old, a fifth grader, eighth grader, come to know that God loves them and God has a plan for their life. And that's why I love school so much. I also want to clarify with you, getting on the floor with the kindergarten class was not easy. Well, getting down wasn't hard. Getting up was a serious problem. Because I realized 
that nobody in that room could help me get back on my feet, not the teacher and not all the kids combined. That was quite the sight to see me come off the floor. Those kids, they just plopped down like nothing matters. And I tried that. I think I broke a hip. It was amazing. But I love the school because we got to help people come to know God. Now, knowing God is an act of faith. We know God by faith. Now, today the goal is to kind of break this down for you. And so when I kick off with faith, please know this. Faith is not just out here. Faith is here. It's in front of us. A lot of people, when you talk about faith, they tend to go to heaven, eternal life, and the unseen and there, and that's all true. But really, faith brings together what you can't see with what you can see. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 11. Go real fast. Hebrews chapter 11. Listen close. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Do you see this? We have this tug of war here between what I can see and what I cannot see. And faith says it this way. When I see what I can see, that's evidence of what I cannot see. Every time you open your window in the morning, watch the sun come up, watch a bird fly by or a flower bloom, you're watching the faith, your faith come to true evidence because you can see in front of you what God made and that is proof to you that God exists. Every place you look in life, life is always bringing together the unseen and the seen. Life is about what I can see and what I cannot see, and faith helps me understand that what I can see proves to me what I cannot see. Sounds confusing, but it's not. Just listen close. What I can't see is evidenced by what I can see, and that's what faith really is. Knowing that God exists by what I can look at every day is proof to my heart that God does exist. Faith is how we can see the things in front of us and how they came to existence. Faith, listen close, is how we pass on to the next generation our belief systems. I want to encourage you today, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, great-grandmas and great-grandpas, never miss the opportunity to tell your kids how good God has been to you. Never miss the chance to tell your family, if it had not been for the Lord, we would not be here. If God had not been on our side, don't forget to tell them what God means to your life. Pass that on from generation to generation. Remember, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is a multi-generational God. And we want to pass it on to our kids and to our grandkids. Faith is what fills the gap between hope and sight. How many of you plan to go to heaven one day? Put your hand up high. All right, my hand's up online. Put your hand up high, okay? My hand's up. You know how we get there? We get there by faith, but not just believing, but by how we live. So really, faith is not an idea that's out there. Faith is right here. It's in front of me. It's in my life every day. And the goal today is to help you understand how to come to know God, but realize it's both an act of faith but an act of how I live every day. It's not just faith, it's also sight. Because when I truly believe that God is there and I truly believe I'm going to a place called heaven one day, I'm gonna live my life different and that's how I get to a place called heaven. Psalm 119, look at this, verse nine. 
It says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. I love this next part. With my whole heart. This is verse 10. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Look at that again. Oh, let me not go astray. Let me not walk away from your commandments. Verse 11, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. When I think about that text, I'm reminded of the fact that the word of God is important to our conversation on knowing God and our conversation on knowing how to build up our faith. We must put the word deep into our life if we're going to live a life that pleases God, and that's how we come to know God. Now, here's the thing to tell you, and you got to get this. The God of the Bible is the same God of today. We don't have a 2020 God. So when I say weak, is this to help people to come to know God? I'm talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm talking about Jehovah God, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. Not just a random God. There's plenty of gods out there, small g. But there's only one true and living God, the creator of all things, the giver of life, the author of this book. There's only one God, and that's the God I'm talking about. And he is the same God today as he was to Israel 2,000, 3,000 years ago. He's the same God that spit out the stars and rolled out the seas. It's the same God. The culture would try to get you to believe that because things are different nowadays, that means God sees things differently. And that simply is not true. In Malachi, he said, I am the Lord and I change not. He's the same God. Don't let the culture convince you or influence you to believe that you can now read the scripture through the society because the biblical model is you look at the society through the scripture, not the other way around. We don't look at our world and go, well, based upon what's going on today, I think this is what the Bible means. No, what you do is you look at the Bible and figure out what's going on today. Because he's the same God. So we talk about knowing God. Let's clarify which God we're talking about. By the way, again, as an emphasis, there's only one true and living God, only one. He's the creator. He's the giver of life. He is the one that sent his son to die for you and for me upon the cross. He is Jehovah God. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Shalom. I could go on and on, but there's only one true and living God. And that's the God we're talking about today. Only one God. Now, if I'm going to come to know God, I've got to know God's ways. Look at this in Isaiah 55, verse 7. Remember this. He's the same God. So I can look at the Bible looking backward and I can figure out what God would do today. Because he doesn't change. Everything he did then, he's doing now. And what he's doing now, he will do in the future because he's the same God. So to come to know God, I have to know God's ways. Isaiah 55, 7 through 9 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God. And he will pardon him abundantly. 
Verse 8, listen close to this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. A couple thoughts about that text. First of all, thinking precedes doing. Anything you've ever done in your life, you've thought about it first, whether you know it or not. Every action was before a thought, a small seed, maybe a bigger seed that you let take root in your heart, and that led you to an action. Everything we do was previously a thought. Having said that also, please know this, we don't think like God thinks. You know why? Because we have a carnal, sinful mind. If I'm going to come to know God, I have to get the mind of God. How do I get the mind of God? I look at what God does. If I know what God did or does, now I know how God thinks. And once I can see what God has done or will do, I can now begin to think more like God. And now I can act more like Christ himself. Who would like to be more like Jesus? Put your hand up high. All right, you know how you get there? You put the word of God, the Bible said, the New Testament said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're to let the mind of Christ come into us, and we get that from God's word and knowing what God did, and now I know what God did, now I know how God thinks. That's exhausting. But did you get it? I have a sinful mind by nature. I don't think like God thinks. You ever, any, any parent here ever look at your kids and go, what in the world, what were they thinking? And, and then you realize that, first of all, you want to say, well, they weren't thinking. Well, yeah, they were. They just had wrong thinking. And so as parents, part of parenting your kids is to help your kids not just know what to do, but how to think. And that's what God does for us. If, if you read the Bible as a book on just do's and don'ts, you've really missed the whole point of the Bible. The Bible is more about changing how you think than it is anything else. Because once you put the mind of Christ in you, and once you put God's mind in you, you will start to do what God would do himself if he were with you in the present moment, or Christ would if he was here, because you're thinking more like God every day. Knowing God comes from knowing how God thinks. Knowing God comes from a transformed way of thinking. Look at this in Romans chapter 12. I love this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform. So, come on, say, do not conform. Come on, say it loud. Say, do not conform. Look at this. Do not conform to what? The pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. How do I transform my mind? The only way to change your mind is to change it based upon the Word of God. God's Word gives to me and to you what we call replacement thinking. Now, notice the tension here in this text in Romans. The Bible says, do not be conformed to the world. You realize every day you wake up, this world is trying to conform you to the ideologies, the practices, the behaviors of this society, this sinful society, and they're trying to make you think like the world. And God's word is saying, no, 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 no. Don't, don't you do that. You need to be transformed by having a different mind. 
Don't be conformed, patterned by the world. Do what everybody else does. I use this in our morning Bible devotions on the Facebook I do. We'll pick those up in a few more weeks. I always say this, when the culture goes this way, we go this way. That's just a rule of thumb. When, if everybody's going that way, I'm going the other way. It, it just, just how it is as a believer. If you're going to go this way, I'm going to go that way. Because I know the culture is anti-God. Did you know that we live today in an anti-God culture? Did you guys know that? If you don't, I'm telling you right now. That's why as believers, we have to know what the Bible says and have our minds transformed. If we don't do that, guess what you will do? You will conform to this age. Every one of us are susceptible to conforming to this age, unless you put the word of God deep in your heart. So we transform our mind by receiving the word of God. A lot of people think the goal of the Christian life is to come to church and for me to convince you about the Bible or for me to beat it into your head. Just let me give you an imagery of this. this let's, let's just assume this was a, a, a nail and, and the preaching is now the hammer. The goal of the Christian life is not for me to beat this into your head. And let me explain to you this way. The Bible is a seed and the seed is spread out. This is the parable of the seed and the sower that Jesus gave to the disciples and those around listening to him. And the seed goes forth and the seed's always good, but not every soil receives the seed. So the goal of the Christian life is for you to receive the word of God. Look at this in James chapter 1. I love this text right here. Verse 21. It says, therefore, lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with what? Meekness, the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. Let's break that down. Let's unpack that verse real fast. People come to church. And they sit there and they'll look at me as if it's my job to convince you and to use wonderful words to sway you into believing the Bible. That is not my job. My job is to throw the seed out and every prepared heart receives the word and that word begins to grow. Notice the verbiage here. It says receive the word with what? Meekness. Let me give you an image real, real fast. Um, you ever catch a football or a, or a baseball or a basketball or any kind of ball at all? They, they tell you to have soft hands. And what they're meaning there is, is when that ball comes into your hands, you're going to make space. You're going to let it come into you. You're going to have soft hands, not firm hands, where the ball hits and falls off like a Bears receiver. Sorry, I just couldn't. Come on, anybody else? Come on, yeah, just, just have a little fun. Yeah, 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 you're tracking, aren't you? That's right. A lot of folks, I throw the word, and it goes, and that's because the heart is so hardened. Or they're sitting there going, well, if the preacher can do it. Folks, if you're waiting on my words to be so eloquent, you know that's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to share the word with you, and whatever you want to do with it, you're going to do. But if you'll have a soft heart, a receptive heart, then you're going to transform your thinking, and you're on your way to knowing God. Man, the seed of the word goes out every time. But I think about the word implanted here. 
Do you think about how much is implanted every day in your mind? How many images, how many words, the things you hear, the things you read? I mean, right now you're hearing the Word of God taught, and this will take about a half hour or three hours. We're not sure exactly how it's going to end today. But just think about even today. You'll leave here in a few moments, and you'll go somewhere else, and you'll start hearing things, reading things, seeing things. Have you ever noticed how quick you can lose time when you're on social media platforms? How you can wake up one day and start scrolling, and then it's Tuesday? (laughs) And then it's Friday, and you're thinking, I just lost five days of my life because I couldn't set the phone down. And see, that's coming into your world, and it's starting to impact how you see things and how you filter things. And I would tell you, we need to be careful that we're getting more and more of the seed of the word than anything else in our life. Because whatever you plant in your heart, that's what grows. And as a pastor, it concerns me because most people who come to church aren't in the Bible as much as they need to be. And I want to encourage you. I know we're a digital age, but I said this to you last weekend. I'm going to say it time and again. I want to encourage you to get a good study Bible and get a notepad and a pen and bring that to church. Let's go a little bit old school for a season and see if we can't get the Word of God richer in our spirit. And here's why. If you're like me and you're on your YouVersion app, on your cell phone, or following on the online on a cell phone, if you're, not, if you're not careful, before you know it, you'll be on Amazon shopping. You'd be, has he been on Amazon shopping today? He has. She's looking at him right now like, yeah, he just bought a pair of shoes on Amazon five minutes ago. <laughs> or you'd be checking email or you'd be getting texts from somebody. And I want to encourage us as a church to really dig in the Word of God. That's also why we do worship to start the service. We do worship to plow the soil of the heart. Man, wasn't worship today just at a whole different level? I'm telling you what, my goodness. How many of you guys enjoyed the opening song with Stephen? I mean, that guy just absolutely crushed it. I love it. And these guys have such great hearts. The worship team here, they have such great hearts. And so what's amazing to me is we come in the house of God and we start to worship. And that worship pulls back the layers and I'm exposing my heart. I'm thanking God for all he's done. I'm just magnifying him. I'm lifting up his name and glorifying God today. And that's pulling the stuff away from my heart because the Bible said to throw away the wickedness and the filthiness. If you're going to plant a garden, you've got to have good, clear ground. You can't have boulders and rocks and, 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 and weeds and bad things. You've got to clear some space in your life. And I want to challenge you right now, if you're going to come to know God, you're going to have to clear some space out and make room in your heart for God to come in and receive that implanted word. The goal of the Christian life is not for me to convince you, not for me to make a good speech, but for me to share the word and let your receptive heart receive it and grow. Because whatever seed you willingly receive is the seed that will grow in your life. Romans chapter 8 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but a spiritual mind is life. Because the carnal mind, listen close, is enmity or an enemy of God. I don't want to be God's enemy. I want to be God's friend. I want to have a spiritual mind, not a carnal mind. 
There was a survey done a few years ago of pastors, and these guys were surveyed about their churches, and every pastor in the survey came back with the collective response that for the majority of church-going believers, they were more in tune with politics than they were the kingdom of God. And I would tell you, that's a bad spot to be. That's a bad spot. We have people that care more about what the president says or their governor says than they do what God has said. And hear me say this today. The loudest voice in your ear should be the word of the living God. Nothing more and nothing less. That should speak the loudest. And if we're not careful, we will encourage our carnal mind. You say, I don't have a carnal mind. You're born with one. And unless you replace that with a spiritual mind, the carnal mind's there. By the way, I would tell you this, the Christian life is a constant daily battle between the carnal and the spiritual. Don't ever believe you got it beat. We're in this fight every day. Because there is a real adversary out there, but the good news is there is a real God. He's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's on your side today, and he is for you, and he will give you a new mind. See, we live our lives controlled by the present age and not the word of God. When we do that, we're reducing our knowledge of God in exchange for knowing this life. Now, I know you're here. You should be here. You should live an active life, a good life. I'm all for that. But don't forget. Don't forget God. Don't forget to honor God in your life. See, our struggle with knowing God comes from our indulgence in the sin nature and our love of the present age. Every one of us has to realize this is a constant battle for us. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching the opening sermon of the, the launch of the church. And don't turn this list, I'll paraphrase for time's sake. Peter comes along, he says, be saved from this perverse or twisted generation. Get out of that culture. Come over here. Come to Christ. Be a new person. And this is the launch of the church. And so he says, guys, come out of this. And here's the tension for all of us. We live here and now, but we can't live for here and now. We have to live a life every day. You have to go to work tomorrow. You have to raise a family. You have to do these things. I totally get that. But we've got to be sure that we're so connected to the Word of God that the Word's implanted and growing in our life every day. And that change what kind of husband you are, father you are, wife you are, mother you are, what kind of kids you are, what kind of boss you are, it changes everything when the Word of God is central in your life. He said, folks, get out of this generation, this perverse and twisted society. If he said that in the book of Acts chapter 2, how much more is that true today for us? It's our reality, isn't it? See, in the scripture time and again, God reminded Israel, don't forget me. I love the book of Deuteronomy. It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. It's my favorite of the Old Testament for sure, but maybe of the entire scripture. I love Deuteronomy. If you get the chance ever to just take a few weeks and just study the scripture, I would highly recommend the book of Deuteronomy. 
we don't often go there, but there's a couple key texts. Deuteronomy 8, 9, 10 are great chapters to read, 11, 12 as well. There's so much in there. there the gospel's in there. Christ is in there. The temple's in there. God's in there. Israel's in there. And time and again, he kept telling Israel, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't you forget me. And he would often say, and when life gets good, don't forget God. You know, our human nature has a propensity toward that. When life is tough, we come running to the house of God. As a pastor, I've watched this time and again in people's lives. When life is difficult, man, they're here and they're trying to get their life on track and they show up and they're, they're faithful and they're serving and they're worshiping. And then when life tends to level out and things get better, it's like, where they at though? What, ha- I, 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 what happened? Oh, life got okay. So now they're good to go. And time and again, he told Israel, don't forget me. When it comes to knowing God, part of that is not forgetting God. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10, we see five specific things given to Israel that God gave to them as I think our keys today to knowing God better. And it's really the keys about not forgetting God, but really this is also how you know God. Go real fast to verse 12, Deuteronomy 10, 12. Look at this today with me. He gives five things. Here we go. It says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Verse 13, and to the commandments and to keep the commandments. There's five. Of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today. Here we go. Five things. Real simple. Fear the Lord. Walk with the Lord, love the Lord, serve the Lord, and keep the commandments. Let's break those down for just a second. What if we could all today just kind of collectively pause and say, we need to return to some idea that we need to reverence the things of God. What if we could remember that this is God's house, not just our church. This is his temple. This is his place. What what if we could be more cautious and respectful about the body of Christ and about the presence of God? What if we could just take a time as a people and not be too casual with the things of God, but remember that this is the Lord's house. I'm always reminded that when someone attacks the church from the outside or even the inside. I mean, you know, the church has plenty of issues. That's because I'm here and you're here. People have issues. I mean, an empty building has no issues, but we have issues because we have people, including myself and you. So, but I always remind people of this. Listen, when you're attacking the church, that's God's. Let's, let's return to the idea that this is the Lord's house. And let's return to the idea that we want to operate in his house with a sense of reverence and a sense of passion for him. This is about him. The second thing we see here is to walk with him. What's that mean, Marty? It means to navigate a sin-filled world with God right by your side. Let me use an example for you today. I'm next to this, uh, I'm on the edge here of this stage, and it's a good drop. If I, if I fall off of here, it's not a good thing. Now, Jeff could fall off, and he's lighter, so it wouldn't be a bad thing at all. So, Jeff, I'm going to push you off. Come up here real fast. I'm just, just messing with you. But let, let's assume that this, this edge here is, is, represents a cliff. And on the other side of this is danger and, and difficulty and sin and, and the shark-infested society that's going around. And there's all kinds of issues here. I want to put God 
between me and all that. I want to use him to navigate the sinful world. If I'm a father and I'm walking with my sons, and let's say my young sons, because my sons now are old enough, if they fall off, I'm going to go, what were you thinking? But if I had my young sons here and this was a tough edge, I would be sure to put myself here and put my sons over here. Because I don't want to lose my kids. If I'm walking with my wife, I'm going to put her over here and I'm going to stand back. No, I'm messing with you. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up here. I'm going to make sure she's okay for sure. You guys see all that? See, when, when, when Moses said to walk with the Lord, what he's saying is you navigate this world by putting God between you and that difficulty. Put God between you and that addiction. Put God between you and that, 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 that issue. Put God between you and that unforgiveness. Put God between you and that thing that's about to bring you down. Put God between you and the culture. And then we see the third thing we talk about in this text is simply this. Love God with every part of you. Just fall in love with him today at a whole new level. Serve him and keep his commands. I'm going to close out real fast with a, with a closing text. I'm going to have you come to your feet, and we're going to worship today in closing our service. 1 John chapter 2, I love this, verse 3, 4, and 5. It says, now by this, now by this, now by this, it says that we know that we know him. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his what? Commandments. Verse 4. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, by this we know that we're in him. You want to know how you're knowing God, how you're growing in knowing God, how you're doing on the commands of God. Because by his commands and how we obey him every day is how we can know that we're loving God. I want you to come to your feet. We're going to worship you just a second. Before we start this song, listen close. God is, God is faithful. We are forgetful. If we'll be intentional, we can be faithful too. I'm going to say it again. God is faithful. We are forgetful. If we will be intentional, we too can be faithful. We're going to worship today. I'm going to come back and close you out with a prayer and a blessing. But let's right now, let's put our hands to heaven today across this place and those online. And let's worship the only true God, Jehovah God. Let's worship today. Worthy of every song we can ever sing. the only one 
Thank you, Jesus. Let's just take a moment right here before we close out today. I just want to ask you to consecrate yourself to the Lord. If we're going to come to know God, we have to make space for God. And the word consecrate means to set yourself apart or set yourself aside. And I just want to ask us today in this room just to take a second watching online and let's just set ourselves aside. Let the Holy Spirit today be your witness and maybe from your heart to the Lord's right now, just begin to declare to him that you want to set yourself apart for the things of God. You want to glorify him. You want to know him. Just right there, I don't have a prayer to lead you in, but just from your heart to his, just tell him right now that you want to set yourself aside. You want to consecrate yourself unto him. Holy Spirit, seal the word today. May we as a church set ourselves aside for the things of God. I don't want to leave this moment without going right into our prayer for salvation. You may be here and you say, Marty, I don't even know if I know Jesus Christ is my Savior yet today. And I want to tell you, we're going to pray in just a second with you. And we're going to shore that up here right now with you. But if you're here today in the house or watching online, you would say, I'm not even sure if I die tonight, if I make it to heaven or not. I want to know that I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. And I want to know that I have eternal hope in Jesus Christ. If that is you in this house today or watching online, if you're here today, just put, just put your hand up high real fast. I don't have to, I won't have you come forward. Just, just, want to, just put a hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Hands over there. Uh, four hands over here. Five hands, six hands, seven hands, eight hands, nine hands, ten hands, eleven hands. Come on, anybody else in the house who would say, I want to know Jesus today. Amen. Twelve hands. Come on, give God a praise today for twelve hands across this place. Maybe you're online today. Pray this prayer with us today and receive the free gift of salvation, okay? We're going to pray it with you. Are you ready, church, to pray? Come on, say, Father God. Come on, say, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I announce you And I declare you as the risen Son of God, my Savior, and my Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, you got a hand for saving grace. Yes. If you prayed that prayer today, let us know who you are. There's a number on the screen right now with me. Just look at that number. Text that number. Text us your name. We want to connect with you. God has great plans for your life. God has a purpose for you. And we want to help you walk out that purpose and that plan. Come on, one more hand for all those today and the weekend that gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Yes. All right. I'm going to bless you. Get you home. Are you ready for that? Put your hand up high. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his love surround you. May his grace flow through you. And may you know today the true and living and only God. You guys are awesome. Have a great week. I'll see you back here soon. God bless you. I love you very much.